Romans chapter 8. It's on page 1004 in the Bibles in front of you. This chapter, Romans 8, marks a significant change in how the Apostle Paul is thinking. This chapter points out several ways that our lives are transformed by the Spirit of God. I think that every one of us would realize and would agree that we're all in need of changing. And that only God above can make the changes that are necessary in our lives. Now, last week, in the first four verses of Romans chapter 8, Paul began to speak about the freedom of the spirit life. And today, he writes about the difference that that spirit life makes. And so I pray that you're going to be able to see the differences uh, in your life that I'm going to be talking about today. This, I believe, is one of the most important passages of Scripture in the whole Bible. If it's that important, then maybe our spiritual radar ought to be keenly aware this morning. Why is it so important? Because, listen carefully, because it addresses the matter of the mind. The mind is the ultimate battleground for the Christian. The Bible is clear that how a man or a woman thinks determines what kind of man or woman they're going to become. The matter of the mind. Proverbs chapter 23 tells us, For as a man thinks, therefore he is. So the way that we think and what happens between our ears should make a big difference. The mind is a very important thing. Whatever a man focuses on, that he will ultimately become. Think about this. You think evil thoughts, what are you going to produce? Evil actions. Conversely, if you think godly thoughts, what are you going to produce? Godly actions. So we need to know that. And that's why the Word of God is so clear. When it speaks about the changes that are needed in the mind of the believer. In Romans chapter 12 verse 2, Paul wrote, Exhorting those Christians, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How, Paul? By the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He goes on in speaking to the Philippian Christians. He said, let this mind be in you. That mind that was in Christ Jesus. The changes that the Spirit produces in our mind. And also the resulting changes that happen in our everyday lives. Are the focus of today's verses. So if you'll look with me in Romans chapter 8, I'm going to begin in verse 5. Paul writes, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds. Say, set their minds. Set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, 
for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12, therefore, brethren, we are debtors, debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For you have, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. By the way, friend, if the changes I'm going to talk about aren't obvious in your life today, you have room for concern. But if they are obvious in your life, you can be assured of your salvation because it means something's happened to you. There's a change that's occurred. There are differences that have been manifested in your life, and it's all because of the Spirit of God. It's all because of Jesus. But if not, then today is the day where you can clear some things up. Amen? The first change that I see is, of course, in the mind of the believer. First off, we see the desires of the mind are changed. Did you see it there? For those who live according to the flesh set their minds, you said it, on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. The first thing Paul points out here is the difference in the desires of the natural man compared to those who have been transformed by the Spirit of God. There's a vast difference. The natural man is always thinking about things pertaining to the flesh. In other words, the carnal mind, the fleshly mind, focuses on three things. His own health, his own wealth, or his own self. That's what the natural man focuses on. He may think about religion from time to time, but he always thinks about it in a perspective about what can I get for me. He may even think about God from time to time, but he's, it's all about how he's going to approach God in his own terms. But an incredible change occurs when one gives their life to Christ. While saved people do blow it from time to time, can I get a testimony? Do you blow it from time to time? We all do. Generally speaking, the lives of the saved are filled with heavenly thoughts. Generally speaking, for the saved person, you know what? We're just in the habit of thinking about God. We're in the habit of thinking about our Savior, about how God is working in us and through us. Spiritually minded people love God. Does that make sense to you? They love God and they will love all things relating to God. Spiritually minded people love the word of God. They love the people of God. They love the house of God. They love the worship of God, etc., etc., etc. So let me ask you this question. What fills your mind? Heavenly thoughts or fleshly thoughts? Your answer can tell you a whole lot about the life you're living. What fills your mind? But it's not only the desires of the mind that are changed, it's also the directions 
of the mind that are changed. Look in verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. That's the wrong direction. Can I get an amen? To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's the right direction. This verse is here, Paul is stating a clear fact. If you have a carnal mind, if you have a mind that's focused all about me and mine, focused on me, then you're probably D-E-A-D. Amen? Because you're living in the flesh. If all you can think about is me and mine, if all you can think about is how I'm going to benefit from this life I'm living, then you probably have a carnal mind. But if your mind always returns to God, if your mind is always returning to what God is up to, if your mind is always returning to how God is using you, how God is working in you, and how God is working through you, then it's probably a pretty good indicator that you're spiritually minded. So the Spirit of God makes changes in the desires of the mind, but also in the directions of the mind, but also see that the devotions of the mind are changed. Look in verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. What Paul is saying here is, is that carnal mind, that fleshly mind, is the enemy of God. You don't ever want to be the enemy of God. Why is it true that the fleshly mind is the enemy of God? Because the carnal mind wants to be God. The carnal mind wants them to sit on the throne of their life, not God. As a result, that person refuses to walk in the will of God. As a result, that person is so self-focused, so self they can't walk in the will of God. The one who thinks carnally, friend, they may do some good things, according to man, but you know what? His selfish motives always tarnish everything he does. Because everything that he's doing is all about his own health, his own wealth, or his own self. Even on his best day, he is the enemy of God. Now, what Paul is, does not say here is still true. Because the converse has to be looked at as well. The spiritual mind, or the mind of the saved person, wants Jesus on the throne of their life. So you need to ask yourself this morning... Is Jesus on the throne of my life? Is he the master? Is he the king? And is he sitting on the throne of my life? This spiritually minded person wants to be in the will of God. They want to be in the center of God's will. They yearn, friend, to honor the Lord in all they say, all they do, and every attitude they keep. He knows he's not perfect. He knows he's not perfect. He knows he blows it. He knows that he'll never be perfect this side of heaven. But his heart's desire is to be with God. His heart's desire is to humble himself before God. And his heart's desire is to serve God with the redeemed life he has been given. Does that describe you this morning? Is your greatest desire to be with God, to honor God, and to serve God with the redeemed life you've been given. 
Friend, that's the abundant life that Jesus was talking about in John chapter 10. That is the life of peace that Jesus often talks about. That is the difference, friend, that the Spirit of God makes in the life of the believer. Now, considering all that Paul has said about the changes that occur in the mind of the believer, in the mind of the one that has truly been born again, how does your life look? How does your life look according to these? Have there been changes in the way you think? Can you see that there's evidence of a new changed life? Friend, do you have different desires? Do you have a different direction? Do you have different heartfelt devotions now? The Spirit of God brings about great differences in the mind of the believer. And if you don't have those things, that's just cause for, for, for a reanalyzation of your, of your life. So not only is there a great difference in the mind of the believer, but we also see that there's a change in the motives of the believer. Paul first gives a charge against the flesh. In verse 8, listen to what he says. So then those who are in the flesh, get this, cannot please God. If you're living a carnal life, if you're living a fleshly life, there's no way, shape, form, or fashion that you can please God. It's a very bad place to be. You can't please God. And we already talked about this, but it bears repeating that those who are controlled by the flesh, those who live for the flesh, those who walk in the flesh, those that have their minds controlled on the flesh, they don't have a hope in the world of pleasing God. They are so far removed from who God is that they can't possibly please Him. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says that the only way that we can please the Lord is by exercising faith. Are you pleasing the Lord this morning? Are you exercising your faith? Faith is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's the evidence that Jesus is in there. It's the evidence that the Spirit of God is in there. And what the Spirit produces, the flesh can't duplicate. And since the flesh cannot produce what is spiritual, it's important that we understand that it stands to reason that those who are in the flesh have no hope of pleasing God. But that's not all. Because not only is there a charge against the flesh, there's also a great change that's apparent in the life, the spirit life. Look there in verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but the good news is, is that those in the spirit of Christ can. We can please God by faith. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, the Spirit came to live in you. The Spirit came to dwell within you. There's a whole new existence now. Things are different. You're taken out of the flesh life and you're put into the Spirit life. Now, friend, you're in a, a position to serve. Now then, you're in a position where you can please God. The bottom line is here is that we are no longer who we used to be. We're different. 
We're no longer who we used to be. We're different. We're changed. We're transformed. Praise God, things are different, and he did it. We are quite literally new creatures in Christ. Man, what a blessing that is. And because of that, now we're able to reveal to the world the love of Jesus. Now, because of the spirit life, we're able to reveal to the world the mercy of Christ, the joy of the Lord, and the goodness of God. What a great blessing that is. So if you're saved, you possess the spirit of God. And here's the key for you to becoming a person that's pleasing to God. Here's what you need to do, though. You need to focus on allowing the Lord, allowing the Spirit to possess more of you. Because we as Christians have this tendency to compartmentalize and say, Okay, Spirit, you can have that part. I got this part. And when we're living in the flesh... When we're living in the part that we want to live in, we always foul it up. Would you agree with that? We always mess it up. So let us allow the Spirit of God to possess more of who we are. Why? Because He's the one that makes a difference. He's the one that makes a difference in the mind of the believer. He's the one that makes a difference in the motives of the believer. But we also see that there's a great change in the members of the believer. We found that the Spirit of God changes the way we think. We found that the Spirit of God changes what drives us as we go through life. But now Paul says, the Spirit of God also changes the way we act. There are definitely big changes that happen on the inside when a person gives their lives to Christ. But I want to tell you this morning that those changes that happen on the inside eventually make their way out to the outside. Those changes that occur on the inside, generally speaking, can be seen on the outside if they're really there. Notice there's a change. A change in our members. Look there in verse 10. And if Christ is in you, that's the big question, amen? If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of the sin. Because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Now those two verses fit together real nicely to tell us that the Spirit of God produces changes in the way we act. We ought to be able to look at one another and say, man, the Spirit of God resides in her. There ain't no doubt about it. The Spirit of God resides in him just by the way we act. And listen, friend, if you're listening, say amen. If a person claims that Jesus is their Savior, but exhibits no outward changes, that person probably is not saved. Did you hear that? Because when Jesus comes in, everything changes. Not only what is on the inside, but that it is in the inside makes its way to the outside. That's not to say that we as believers don't sin. You would agree that we do? Amen. Glad it's not just me. 
But when salvation is, is, is a reality, we have new desires. We have this renewed desire to please God. We have this new desire for our lives that we live to make a dramatic change. And listen here, when we do fail and we're going to fail, that we have this sense of sadness, we have this sense of remorse that is so profound that it drives the child of God to repent and change directions before the Lord. We just find ourselves unable to tolerate sin. We don't want no part of it. And we're driven to confess it. We're driven to repent against it. And we're driven to change. So the Spirit of God makes us vastly different from the world that we live in. If people looking on your life say, well, there ain't no difference between you and the way the world lives, there's a problem there, friend. There's a significant problem there. So that's the change in our members. But then Paul also issues a challenge. A challenge to our members. Look in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. We're told here that we no longer are obligated to live like the flesh wants us to live. In fact, we're dead to the flesh and alive to the Spirit of God. In other words, listen carefully, you don't owe the flesh nothing. You're not obliged to do what the flesh wants you to do by any means. You don't owe the flesh nothing. The only debt you got is the debt that we owe to the one who paid the price for our sin and our judgment. You know what his name is? Say it if you know it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's bless him. Let's bless Jesus by living the kind of life that brings honor to him. I know it's a hard challenge. I know it's not easy. But I believe that it's a challenge we can all live up to. Would you agree? Say amen if you do. Amen. amen. We can do it. Finally, Paul gives us a caution. A caution to our members. Look in verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. You see, the sad thing is, is that even though we're saved, we have the potential to follow after the flesh. That possibility is still there. Anybody that tries to tell you that a Christian can't sin, listen carefully, is a liar. Amen? John wrote it in 1 John 1.8. He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We can sin. But listen carefully. Be aware of this. Substandard living brings consequences. How'd that feel? I've been chewing on it all week. Substandard living brings consequences. Substandard living brings consequences. Say that with me. Substandard living brings consequences. Now that's not to say that God is going to reject his child because he ain't. But it, you may agree with me that God has this uncanny ability to make me so uncomfortable that I will change. 
I will change my direction. You see, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Friend, because he loves you so deeply, he's going to correct you. Because he loves you so deeply, he's going to discipline you. And he's going to do it in hopes that you will reject the flesh life and embrace the spirit life. And when we do that, when we embrace the spirit life, you avoid the chastening of God. <laughs> when you embrace the spirit life, you're assured of living a life that brings honor to the Father. And your life will begin to show a lost and dying world that Jesus Christ makes a difference. That Jesus Christ makes a difference to everything that he touches. He makes a difference. You see, friend, the proof is in the... Now, two of you knew that, and I don't think there's more of you that know that. The proof is in the... The pudding. What does that mean? Well, pudding is not just the granular chocolate stuff, and pudding is not just the milk. You've got to put it together for pudding to be pudding. You must put together the spirit life with the spirit actions and let there be pudding in your life. Because the life that's been touched by Christ, the life that's been changed by the spirit is a new kind of life. It's different. It's changed. Transformed people transform people. Did you hear that? That's the good news. So when you're transformed, you then have the hope of transforming somebody else through the power of the Spirit of God. But if there's no change in your life, there's probably been no conversion either. Because, friend, when Jesus moves in, everything changes. Everything changes. Now, I think with a passage of Scripture like this, that every one of us in this building today need to closely examine our lives today. We need to look into the mirror of God's Word, and we need to take an honest inventory. And we need to ask ourselves some questions. You need to ask yourself today, have I been changed? There are far too many, look at me, Christians who have not been changed. And if there's no change, that points that there's probably no conversion either. You need to ask yourself, I know I'm not perfect, but am I different? The Christian's going to be different from the world we live in. You need to ask yourself, you know, I don't think like I used to think, but do I act differently? 
Can you say, I want to honor God with my whole life? It used to be, I just wanted to honor myself. Can you say, I've seen it. I've seen where Jesus has made a difference in me. Has your life changed? Has Jesus made a difference? If it has, I want you to thank God right now. Thank you, Lord. Because only He can produce the real spiritual change in the lives of men and women in this world. But listen, if there have not been changes, you can be changed today. And it's not just a confession. It's a whole new life change. He comes in and he takes over. And he desires every part of your life. So we're going to offer an opportunity to make a decision this morning. But friend, listen, don't you make a decision just because you're feeling some kind of emotion right now. Because know clearly that when you give your life to Christ, that's exactly what he asked for. Your life. In its entirety. A to Z. Alpha to Omega. Beginning and end. It all begins in the mind. It continues with the motives. But eventually, it's going to make its way out to the members. Let me pray for you.